Welcome to the Daniel Artest podcast. Today we got an amazing show. We're going to talk about, you know, money, financial literacy, investing, stock market, and everything like that. So basically the purpose of this conversation is to have an open discussion on the value of being financially financially literate and the many aspects of, of economics. We will continue to have open dialogue discussing the barriers and hurdles we face in our communities in order to make the information more equitable for our viewers. So we have a, a dope panel today and um, I'm gonna allow them to introduce themselves. And we're gonna start with Dre James, then we're gonna go to Piff, then we're gonna go to Mark Monroe, then we're gonna finish up with uh, Prince Dykes. All right, go ahead. How you doing? I'm Dre James, founder of Access, uh, a sourcing uh, hiring company, also an event company uh, focused on disrupting bias through our hiring process. We use sporting events and uh, sporting platforms to uh, get minorities hired. Well, uh, my name is Pip Jones. I am a musical artist slash entrepreneur. And um, I love making music and uh, helping the kids. And you know, I, um, that's it, really. What's good, everybody? My name is Mark Monroe. I'm a venture capitalist slash uh, super angel investor. I also teach individuals how to invest their money so that way they don't have to always work nine to five and turn that into their daily and let their money turn into their own employees for them. Uh, and I just do it for the culture. Well, I'm pretty simple. My name is Prince Dykes, uh, the host of The Investor Show, the author of the uh, Wesley Learns Children's Financial Literacy Book Series and the founder of the Global Children Financial Literacy Foundation. That's pretty much me. Thank you for coming on this podcast, everybody, man, for real, man. I really appreciate y'all, man. So <laughs> define wealth in your own words and what it means to you. Ooh, wealth isn't something that I feel physical. It's, it's, it, I feel it's spiritual. Um, it's emotional. Um, it's um, it's what, you, what you wake up and find happiness in. That's what I, that's what I define wealth as. Um, you know, money is totally something separate, I believe, from wealth. Um, wealth is where you, you find your comfort, you know, and find your lane and find your niche. So that to me is what wealth is. To me, I feel like wealth is like when like the generations are good, like, you know, like when you passing things on so that your kids, 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 kids is good. I feel like that's very, that's wealth. I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but that to me is wealth. Like when you have things to pass on to your kids, you know, or generations down. Uh, I definitely believe that wealth is something that's built. Uh, it's structural. Uh, it's also something in where it's like you'll typically find where your heart is. Uh, it's not something that's easily taken uh, versus, say, for example, rich. It's very easy to be rich, but, you know, it's a lot harder to be wealthy. Uh, it's a combination of, you know, work and knowledge pressed in together and pretty much whatever you build from that, it's something that's everlasting. I mean, to me, it's like, I look at wealth as it's eternal. It's like you build it to be, to become something really eternal. I would say, I would break it down in two words, but you know, what you guys had already said, I think it's one happiness. I've met a lot of people that, uh, who have been poor and some people who've been rich, 
who are in, who live miserable and some people who live happy and poor. So it all is always about happiness. Whatever makes you happy. If you're happy with whatever you're doing, I think that's a secret to wealth, having your health and having happiness. And the second word I would break down to is perpetuity, meaning, you know, eternal, you know, forever. You know, having happiness forever. However that is brought to you, if that's brought to you by money, if that's brought to you by whatever you have, I think that's, the, in my eyes, that's the uh, the thing to wealth. Now, if you took um, it to a financial standpoint, I would have to say perpetuity to where is that it doesn't matter if I was here today or tomorrow, I have a cash flow for my particular family or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with... Uh, with Piffle not really knowing what wealth is, you know, um, I mean, I, I've seen it, you know, obviously with my brother who being who he is, but me up myself, you know what I mean? I never had like, you know, like the wealth that I, that I wanted to have, you know what I'm saying? So I do think that, you know, wealth is definitely, you know, creating something, you know, that you could pass on to your kids. Like, um, as a lot of people don't notice, I now uh, LLC my podcast and stuff, you know what I mean? Trying to create that into a, a business or something I can pass on to my four kids and stuff. And, um, you know, my youngest son, Austin, he likes what I do. So, you know, hopefully, you know, one day when I um get a bunch of money from people, you know, that that believes in me doing this thing, then, you know, hopefully, you know, I, I can pass it along. I have some big dreams with this podcast and stuff now. I see a lot of, you know, people making $100 million, you know, with Joe Rogan and, you know, Bill Simmons from The Ringer making $200 million, you know. So, you know, it, it, it's not a, a hobby thing no more. Podcasting is something that's serious. So I think that's how I think that I can generate wealth from it, you know, as well as, you know, of course, other revenue streams, whatever else I have going on and stuff. So, Prince, we're going to go with you. I want you to give me a personal strength and weakness when it comes to your financial game. My finances, uh, personal strength that I have is I'm a very minimalist guy, not very minimalist, but I'm, I'm not really a flashy person, you know, uh, to where, you know, the car I drive every day is a 2007 Saturn view. It's registered mm -hmm. as black, but it looks like it's blue and it needs a paint job, but I'm just not a material person, you know? Like, I don't even own a watch. The only watches I have is one's watches people probably giving to me for its gifts or whatnot. So that's one of my strengths is that I'm not a very materialistic person to where I don't really require a lot of flash. Um, my downside, eating out too much, you know? Not staying at home, cooking like I'm supposed to. I could save so much money if I just plan my meals and cook, and it'd be healthier for me, but it's just, you know, uh, even though my wife, she will, she, she works as well, but she, she will cook for me, but I just like, I'm going to just grab something on the way. So that's not a good thing. And then I will say, I got to throw in another thing in there too, where I have a wealth of knowledge, being able to apply your knowledge at the right time is invaluable. That's something I'm working to become better and better at. You know, you can know all you want. You can read all these books behind me, but if you ain't, if you ain't going to apply it, then you might as well not even have it. So that would be me uh definitely one of my strengths is is that uh i mean in between humble and hustle uh you know for me that's always been my mantra dream is free but the hustle is sold separately uh weakness of mine oh man i love tech <laughs> i spent i spend a lot of money on tech i mean not even just tech companies but just tech so and it, and it pisses my wife off at times a definite weakness of mine is is I would agree with tech um, is my, 
you know, my, my Netflix and my, my, my season pass. I need a, I need a season pass for a season's pass for a, for an Xbox live account. Like that's my, that's my, my absolute weakness. My, uh, one of my strengths is, you know, being, you know, uh, on top of my finances as far as what I need to take care of, you know, my priorities, you know, I've always had a great balance at, you know, getting what I want, but also staying on top of what I need, you know, so. I know how to accumulate money very fast. Like, like I like if I, if I put my mind to it that I need something, I know how to accumulate the money. It just happens. I just know how to go get it. But the weakness is I spend my money before I get the money. So that makes me have to go get it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it kind of like coincides with each other, the strength and the weakness. But it's like, I know how to get it, but I also spend it before I get it. So mm-hmm. when I do get it, it's gone. But yeah. My strength with, um, with my financial game is definitely learning how to create stuff and selling it. You know what I'm saying? So I'm definitely good at creating something. Like I have like shirt, little shirt store that I made and um, I'm doing pretty well with it. with selling shirts on uh, some website called Teespring or whatever. Like I know how to, you know, market, market myself and to, to get sales from people and stuff, you know, um, just using different like apps like Canva to create little fake commercial stuff, whatever to get, to get my product out there. Uh, my weakness Life is the is the weakness right now. Also, what, uh, also I could piggyback off Dre is definitely tech. I have um, Netflix, Hulu, ESPN, Disney, um, you know, stuff for the kids, Nick Jr., you know what I mean? All that stuff pretty much, you know? So so here's how bad I am with tech. I paid for a Tesla Roadster, and I'm a, and I'm a Patriots fan. <laughs> Bet my Tesla against the person who worked at Uber versus my Tesla Roadster that I haven't even received yet versus his uber shares that they were going to go public and it was the patriots versus the philadelphia eagles and you lost it and i didn't even tell my wife Mm. somebody else told my wife Mm. (laughs) that was a bad day it was a very very bad day (laughs) (laughs) so Y'all would have been reading about me in the papers. My wife would have murdered me. She let me buy a Tesla, but yet at the same token, just, yeah. So let me ask, so let me ask uh, uh, everybody, um, since COVID, how has COVID affected some of those bad habits? You know how 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 have those how has those habits been amplified? You know since being at home because I know for me personally the eating out thing, oh man it's it's bad now. You know even just to get out of the house, you know I'm, I find myself willing to wait the 30, 45 minutes for my order because you know you know because being stuck in the house and being stuck with COVID, I, I wonder how how has that affected you know some of the techniques and the trainings that you've learned yourselves and, and, and positive or negative um i answer first um actually this covid actually helped me a lot um sure. i don't go out unless if, if i'm going shopping then i just go you know food shopping and like i really eat out anyway so 
I think like it really helped me. I, I'm not going out, so I'm not spending money or anything like that. Like um, I haven't driven my car in like four months. I walk everywhere, you know what I mean. So like you know, I, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty good with um with with um with, with how COVID has been treating has been treating me and stuff. You know, just starting creating new hobbies. You know, picking up something just to stay busy. You know, and um yeah, just having a, a good time with it. Uh, so for me, it's I mean. It's been business as usual for me. Um, I don't really do that much amount of heavy duty spending on a regular basis. Uh, I live by a 70-30 rule. So 70% of what I make, I pretty much invest that. 30% of what I make, it typically goes towards expenses. I mean, I've gotten so good now to I'm at the point of like probably like 6%. So, I mean, I, I stay pretty minimal. But when there's something that's like cutting edge bleeding tech then yeah of course i'll buy it but there hasn't been really anything thanks to COVID. a lot of innovation has slowed so can, can you can you repeat that gold nugget of knowledge that you just dropped for our viewers How much do you, <laughs> so i live by a, so i live by a 70 30 uh principle so 70 percent of what you make or what you earn uh you should invest it and 30 percent that typically should go be like your your typical expenses and then i live by you know based upon where i'm at projected this year i'll probably be living off of six percent of that but uh with me uh COVID has helped me because uh what i've been doing it's given me more time to it took away all a lot of things that were distractions that mm -hmm. i didn't know i used to go to a lot of conferences i would you know when i would shoot a show i would shoot it downtown and the shooter show downtown versus shooting in my basement, you know, that was like four hours out of my day, you know? Mm -hmm. So just the commuting, the gas went down, the commuting went down. So I spent a lot of time at home and it made me a better investor because I was able to read more, take more formal classes, informal classes, and become more of a student. So now the eating outside the house, it really so, you know, it kind of stayed the, it stayed the same. It kind of got a little worse because it's like, it's, it's almost like Dre said. I almost want to do something to get out the house. I mean, I've been here all day. I've been reading all day. You know, I've you know, been doing content all day. You know, I need some type of release. You know, let me go do something. So it really was like a, a, a it kind of, I won't say it all the way balanced out. It helped me more than it hurt me. One thing that did help me out with was the interest rates dropped. You know, that was part of the stimulus package. Interest rates dropped. So, it, it made my, uh, you know, I recently purchased a house, so it made it cheaper for me. So that definitely did help me out with interest rates dropping, um, you know, making the house more affordable. So that's one thing I say COVID did help me out with. At what age did finance become something important to you in your life? And who were your, who were some of your first major influences? Uh, I started investing at the age of nine years old uh grandfather had an investment group that they would meet on saturdays i used to try to like wait early in the morning when they would meet because they had the best donuts and uh you know i got caught and then pretty much uh they brought me in the room and then i didn't realize that you know the like what they were teaching me was magic and uh it really became significant really real for me when i started trading in college uh, so I would take my refund check that I pretty much get a student loan for, get the refund check, and then I use that refund check to invest and trade in the market, turn those mm -hmm. trades into, say, for example, turn a, a $4,500 refund check into 25K, and then pretty much student loans were paid off, you know, pretty much after my freshman year. 
Um, at that point, it was like it was serious. And then it helped pay for my startup to get going. And I mean, thus, I mean, it also has paid for the house. So yeah, it's, it's been serious for me since, you know, the beginning and I, all thanks to, to the to the six foot six grandfather that took his uh, his young grandson in out of foster care to help raise him. The first time uh, finances became important to me was when I joined the military. Mm. Um, being uh, 19 in the barracks, um, you, you, start, you start growing and living by the term the first and the 15th. Um, when that check comes and you're a private in the military, you don't know how much you don't have until the 13th, the 14th, <laughs> and the 15th. So watching horror stories, you know, just I, I can tell you a story about a, a private that I was with. Um, we were getting ready to go out and it was payday. Um, uh, payday fell on a Friday and uh, it really shocked everybody that he pulled out his paycheck and that paycheck was only $60. Um, hit him with back child support for, you know, a, a few months and everybody in the barracks was just like taken back by how quickly it could change because from there you just started seeing the snowball the snowball you know affect his life affect his family affect you know his job his you know every his performance everything from there just started piling up and so you see that more on a accelerated level being in the military and 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 basically being put on that like i said that first and the 15th program where it's just enough to get by, but not 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 really enough to you know to 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 move forward in life. So that's that's when finances became more important to me. Well, with with me, um, I grew up. My dad was like military, but he was a school teacher as well. But my mom was a school teacher as well. But she became a uh, um, she owned her own daycare, right? So that was my first time seeing entrepreneurship slash uh, business, right? And what ended up happening was I really didn't start getting into the investing until uh, I think I was probably about 25 years old. I was working on my I think I was working my bachelor's degree in the military, like Dre said. Right. You know, being around for a while, seeing all the horror stories. And I just said, well, man, you know, what is other people doing that I'm not doing or the people that I know are not doing? Right. So that's what sent me on my path. So I would say. It was my mom with her entrepreneurship spirit, seeing it as a child that I related back to. And one of the people that I really took a liking to was Warren Buffett, you know, and that was probably like 10, 11, 12 years ago, seeing how he was a minimalist and seeing how he got into investing. And I didn't start till I was about 25, 26. So I'm a late bloomer compared to Mark doing it at nine. But yeah, that's, that's what that's what made me want to write and do what I was doing to teach kids. So I started doing it my son, Wesley, like, hey, at the age of two or three, I want to start doing this to you now. I want to start teaching about investing and credit and insurance because, you know, you shouldn't be turning 25 years old, earning an MBA, learning about finances. This should be second nature because it don't matter if you become the next basketball player, football player, you know, whatever nurse, you're going to need finances. You should know this stuff. So uh, that's what happened with me. That's pretty much my story. Hmm. Then it just went from, I just kind of gradually went from, started with stocks because it was the easiest thing to get into. It started with stocks. Then it started leaking off into business. Then it went off into real estate. One last thing I learned was that when you look at monetary policies, they benefit four types of people. Married people, 
people with businesses, people with stocks, people with real estate. Real estate, stocks, business, married people. So, I mean, you know, married, you know, if you can have one wife, one keep your kids, keep it all in one place, you know, it builds, it helps you out financially when you don't have to separate it between different households. That's what I noticed when I look at it. Married people get tax breaks. Business people get tax breaks. Real estate people. Look at all these people. Notice you haven't seen any foreclosures. All of the foreclosures going into forbearances to where people are not allowed to get kicked out of their houses because they own a house. But if you're paying rent, nobody cares. Right? If you're paying rent, nobody cares. If you're single, nobody seems to care. But if you was on the other side, if you was a Daniel Artes podcast, you can go file for a PPP loan or a grant. So, yeah. <laughs> so you know, businesses are getting bailed out. Married people are getting bailed out. People who own homes and real estate are getting bailed out. And look at the stock market. Look, they pumped $2.3 trillion into the stock market, even though they had that massive drop in March. And look at all these stimulus plans. So when I looked at it, I looked at America. Man, you know, I need to get married, have a business, buy some real estate, and buy some stocks. You did all that in three months? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I got a question. Found me a wife all that three months. But that, that's Man. what I just kind of noticed, how the way I looked at it. I got a question. So, like, for a guy like me that never really dealt with finances, until I got like in school, but even in school, it wasn't really like something that we were really interested in. Cause you know, they didn't make it seem like a, a you know, they didn't make it that interesting in school. But you know, now I'm 28. I done had probably one or two credit cards in my life to mess those up. But the question I really want to ask you guys is like, when you starting off, how are you going about starting to build your credit? You know what I mean? Like, what's the what's the best ways? You know what I mean to start to build your credit. Well, I would say the, the best thing is to get a secure credit card, right? And a secure credit card is you go to the bank, you give them five hundred dollars, right? You give them five hundred dollars, they give you a credit card. You use it like it's a credit card, but it's backed by your cash. Here's another one, one that I did for my buddy, right? Where it's, I have, you know, I have pretty good credit and I have a credit card. I added him as an authorized user on my credit card. He don't have my credit card. He don't have access to it. I just put him as an authorized user to help him rebuild himself because he went through some stuff. He went through a bankruptcy and they wouldn't even let him have a secured credit card. Right. So I said, hey, I just looked out for him. So if you got a friend or a family member or whatnot, say, hey, look, I don't want a credit card from you. Don't let me hold it. Don't send it to me. You control it. But would you just add me on to what you're doing so I can help Smart. build some credit along the way? So it. it don't take no money. Just take somebody who trust somebody who got good credit. Make sure they got good credit, you know. And, and they, somebody who's willing to believe in you. And willing to believe in you and you got a good friend. That's why they say your network is your network. Right? Hey, would you mind adding would you mind adding me on to look out for me to can I tag along on with you, help build my credit, right? And that's my credit kind of bill. A secure credit card is the other thing. And the, and the other thing is if you got debt, you gotta list them out. You know, I love Dave Ramsey's snowball effect. You know, that's the way, you know, if whatever debt you got, you got to write them uh, the smallest to the big ones, right? The smallest to the biggest, right? Forget the interest rate, the smallest to the big one. And you start off with the small one and you start taking out those small ones first 
and start working your way down and have somebody say, hey, would you mind looking out for me, adding me on to your credit or whatnot? I don't want access to it. And then trying to get a secure credit card. I think that's a good fundamental. That's what I did for my son, right? When he turned when he turned eight to nine, I made him an authorized user on my credit card. That's what so, I'm saying. And he got a he has a credit card that he has in his name that he can literally go use, but he don't even know it exists, right? But he just tags along on my credit card. So when he turns 18 years old, hey, look, son, you already have credit. If you can build something, you can tear it down. If you can tear up your kid's credit, that means you can build it. So, you know, you, you you know, like for a prime example, boom, I put my son as an authorized user on my car, you know, to build his credit. Right. And it's the same thing is with my, uh, you know, if you got a friend or you got a buddy, or you got a pal that's going through something. If you know somebody that's like, hey, man, would you mind looking out for me? Somebody can do that or whatnot. And then you can find a credit card company or you can find a finance company and say, hey, what if I give you the three hundred dollars prepaid credit card? I can give you a couple hundred bucks or whatever to start utilizing like it's a credit card. When you when you make money, it's I take it back to the biblical terms. When did Noah build the ark? Did Noah build an ark when he needed it or when he didn't need it? So take me for example, the last 10, 15 years, I probably haven't I really didn't need credit, but every six or seven months I would take out a loan for five, six hundred bucks. I would take it out, pay it back. Take it out, pay it back. I'm going to be 100% honest. When the PPP thing hit, right, I filed for PPP for my company, not because I needed $1,000. It's because I wanted to take it, pay it back because I'm establishing credit. So one day when I do need you, hopefully you'll be there for me. Hmm. Solid. It's a real, it's a real fine line between uh, people feeling like they need credit you know, and not in the project, you know what I mean? Like, where I come from, a lot of people feel like they don't even need credit. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And the movies, when you see all these movies of these people that just do everything with cash, it kind of reassures them in their mind that what they're thinking is right, you know what I mean? Like Perception becomes reality. You know what I mean? They think that cash can buy everything. I always tell people cash is king, credit is power. When you go get that house, when you go get that car, you can have 50,000, 100,000, 150,000 in the bank. But if your credit score come back as a 520, they're going to stop doing what they need to do with you, right? So I always tell people cash is king, credit is power. Always utilizing credit. Now, now once you get to a point of perpetuity, you don't need it. You can live off of cash and good on you. But for most people, we will experience some type of credit. When we go to get our first car, when we go get our first house, when we go to get our first business loan, a line of credit, they're going to look at your credit on everything. Some jobs want to look at your credit score because your credit score tells me how you do business. Mm -hmm. So the thing about I always tell people, even though you may not need credit, you got a pile of cash, convert that cash into credit. Borrow some money, pay it back six, seven months later on time, early. You know, I go take this. I'm going to give you guys a private example, right? I brought my first piece of land last year. It was a piece of crap land. It wasn't for like five grand out in Colorado, the middle of nowhere in a mountain, right? And and I brought it with my son. I, I wanted to buy him a piece of land for his birthday. You know, me and his name was on the deed, right? And I said, hey, uh, when I go to buy this land, I could take this money out of my bank account and just pay for it cash. But what I did, I went to the bank and took out a five-year loan for a piece of land 
They gave me the loan. I paid for the land. I paid the bank back in a year. Now on my credit report, it says what? He paid it back early. So the next time I want some money, they're going to give it to me again. But I didn't need to do that. I utilized credit when I didn't need it. So one day, if I do need it, it's there for me. Then mm-hmm. by doing that, I had a high credit score. When I went to go buy my first house, guess what? My interest rates are the lowest it possibly can be because I had good credit. So you have ability to be able to pay people back. So while you do have money, when you do have a source of income, borrow money when you don't need it, like Noah did. Noah built the ark. So when it started flooding, he already had a boat. He didn't wait till the flood started happening. Like, oh, man, I need to fix my credit because I'm trying to buy a house next month. No, he had already been utilizing it when he didn't need it. So when he did need it, it was there for him to utilize. How do you know when it's time to buy or sell a, a specific stock of a company? Like, do you sell all the stocks or at a few at a time? Uh, so, so pretty much uh, me as an investor, if you're selling a stock, I mean, you have to ask yourself, okay, well, one, before you even buy the stock, you have to ask yourself, what is your exit plan long before you even buy? Um, and so for me, when I buy a stock, I say, okay, hey, this stock is getting what we call a little long in the tooth, which means that we're starting to look at valuations or being in pretty much the value of the company. Uh, it's starting to become a little bit unbelievable. Uh, we're also starting to see that um, pretty much what we see the stock price reflect does not reflect what the company can put out as it pertains to its report card, what we also call earnings. Um, but if you're in, if you're holding on to stock, if you have like a five to 30 year plan for holding stocks, then that's just, that's just different. But if you're looking to trade stocks, then yeah, it's like pretty much the best, the best way is, is that you got your performance. So you're saying, Hey, I'm looking to be in the stock for the 20% or the 15% return. And then once when I made that return, I'm out, there's no feeling towards it because they definitely for damn sure don't have any feelings for me. So I'm definitely going to sell. It's time for me to move on. It's been real and I'm looking for my next opportunity. And then the same thing goes for options traders as well. Um, well, something, it took me a while to get to this point, but pretty much the answer is I look at a stock should tell me a story. Let's take for prime example, the story of Uber. Right. It's like a daytime story. I hear this company. It came out last year. You know, it fell out through the bottom. And when it fell out through the bottom, I wonder why. So I look at the story of Uber and the story that Uber is telling me that is number one in a new sector. Number one in a new sector, the sector of rise share Uber is at the top when it comes down to market capitalization and total assets. So I'm like, OK, you're number one. OK, but you're unprofitable. You're unprofitable, but you're number one in a new sector. Hmm, sounds like Facebook in 2013 when it was the number one social media company, but I didn't jump into it because I thought, oh, it's new. Who knows what this is or whatnot. Now I start to follow your story. When do you plan on being profitable? What are your steps to become profitable? Now at $25, I say, you know what? I'm willing to take that risk. So I got an Uber at $25. Now I'm following it. Now recently, just yesterday, I brought Postmates. Now they're coming out, they're buying... Um, they're uh, now they're delivering groceries. Now they're delivering everything. So I'm following the. I'm telling you this because I'm following the story. And the moment that story no longer makes sense, that's when I sell. So, uh, so if, say for a person that's ne- that knows nothing about the stock market, mm-hmm. uh, just a simple question: Where do I start? Like- All right, good, 
great question that you asked. What do, what do I start? I would say you if you're coming to the stock market, instead of trying to pick a stock, find whoever whatever's doing whatnot, you find an index. You buy the S and P 500, which is the top 500 companies in America. Or more importantly, if you got 10 years or more, that's your time horizon. You buy the Nasdaq, which is QQQ, right? I would buy the Nasdaq. That's most of my technology companies, and I would keep investing into that. That would be the baseline of my portfolio because 92% of investors, the stock pickers, cannot beat the index on a consistent basis, right? Mm -hmm. So by buying the index, you're already on the winning team. The most important thing you got to ask yourself before you even start investing, what is your number? Daniel made earlier, hey, man, this guy made $100 million. This guy made $200 million, whatever. What is your number? What number am I trying to get to? Do I need $500,000? Do I need a million dollars? Now, if any financial person can tell you, okay, if you need $500,000 in 20 years, you need to invest this much, and you need to earn this type of return to get to your destination. The big thing is when people start investing, I'm guilty too, you don't even know where you're going. You know, like basketball, man, I'm trying to get to the NBA. I'm trying to make the team. I'm trying to do what you got a goal. When you start investing, you should know, okay, I'm buying these stocks. What am I trying to do with this? Right? Mm -hmm. So I know, okay, well, in 20 years, he's trying to have $500,000. This is how much money he needs to invest. This is the type of return he needs to make in order to reach his goal. Now you can start the search. Well, you know what? He don't need to buy stocks. He might just need a couple of bonds. He might can have an annuity. Like, think if you're Patrick Mahone, you just find a $400 million deal. You don't need to go out there and find the next wild investment. You just probably need a little annuity to give you 3%. Yeah. Right? Uh, so, 503 million. No, my bad. My bad. My excuse me. My bad. I, I, I got to put some respect on it. My bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> but when you're, looking at, when you're looking at those deals, you got to look at, okay, where am I trying to go? What does my number look like? How much money? Take me personally. My number is, okay, I retire from the military. Boom. This is my pension plan. I need another $50,000. How much money do I need to create $50,000 a year for 30 years? I come out with, boom, I need $600,000, $800,000 or whatever. How much time do I have? 15 years. This is how much money I need to invest. This is the type of return investment I need to get there. You'll get out there making these wild investments. You know, I've done it. I've been there. I invested into cousins and family members and friends and trying to get this big return when well, I didn't even need that. It's like, all I need is a smooth 7% for 10 years. I didn't got to be a rocket science. Then I can get to my goal, right? So sometimes you say, hey, you know what? Where am I trying to go? And you can reverse engineer and see exactly. And you're not buying stocks. I tell people, don't buy stocks. Build a portfolio. Build a portfolio around your vehicle or where the heck you're trying to go. Sure. So what are three what, what are three kind of good, like positive habits that you have that you wake up every day and, you know, check off your list? You know, what are the top three that you have to get your day going when it comes to starting your financial literacy journey, you know, every day? When, when I became a student of the game. Right. Um, you know, you know, Dre, you was in the military. I've been in the military now for 17 years. I retired in three years. I went mm -hmm. off for my social degree, my bachelor's degree, my MBA my Series 65, Series 63, accredited financial counselor, life insurance, health insurance. Uh, I just did asset management specialist. I'm in school now for chartered retirement planning counselor, right? And you know, all those things I just raffled off is not easy for an active duty member, right? And every investor conference I was at, 
everybody, whoever was the top people in finance, I wanted to meet them. I wanted to get next to them. I went to Wall Street. I've been to Omaha. You, you pretty much name it anywhere in finance. I just became a student of the game to where I ain't read these books behind me, but I do get up, I do have a real bookshelf, right, that I read, I get up with every day. I always try to do formal education and informal education. So something that's giving me formal education through giving me a certification, then boom, I'm on to the next book, learning how to read financial reports because financial reports are the way businesses talk. Right. Daniel Artez podcast, he can tell me he got all the listeners and downloads in the world. But you know what? When he pull out that balance sheet, that's going to tell me everything I need to know. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's a conversation we got to have offline. I definitely have some, <laughs> I some cash. questions. <laughs> I, I invested in like two stocks on cash. App. I didn't invest no big money or nothing. It was mm-hmm. like five dollars a piece. But I just wanted to see. I just wanted to try to try it out. Cash App, but it's pretty good on Cash App. It's what stocks? Of, what stocks did you get? I got like T-Mobile. Mm-hmm. I got AT and T, and Fitbit. Okay. Not nothing, but I don't even know what to do with them. I just come on here, I look at it, and then I don't even know. What okay. To do. I kind of well, with me, first of all, I always tell people you're gonna buy some stocks. So many people are trying to find the next hot thing. Find what's already working. Everybody know what Amazon is. You own it every day. Everybody know what Google is. You own it every day. I'm a tech guy. Get into Apple, right? You can with with the Cash App. You can buy Apple for one dollar, two dollars, three dollars, four dollars, five dollars, right? You don't have to get. You don't have to even get the whole share. So you don't even got to be a rocket science. You can just go buy what they like to call the Fang. The Fang is Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google, right? F-A-N-N-G, right? What's the other? I'm, I'm missing an A. Alphabet. Alphabet is our Google, whatever, whatever, right? So, but the thing about it is you have AT&T and T-Mobile. Those are two companies that are in the same sector. You know, that's like having Michael, that's like having McDonald's and Burger King, right? So usually I will pick the top guy in the industry. I would get that McDonald's or maybe that AT&T that's paying you a dividend. Then I would diversify away into a technology company. I'd be like, you know what? Let me grab an Amazon. Let me get a, let me get a little bit of technology with Amazon. I can keep my AT&T, but AT&T and T-Mobile, I will sit down and pick one, right? One I'm a hypocrite on. I love Microsoft and Apple. I can't really pick one, so I just get both, you know? But in most cases, you because if something happened to the communication industry, your half your portfolio is gone. Something you may want to look into. Maybe you want to take a little risk. Maybe you want to get Southwest Airlines. You know, it's only $34 right now. You can get it for $2, $3 right there on what you call it, right? So yeah, I now, you, but like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing is, right? It's like, okay. I see all of them here, but I don't know what up or down means. Oh, you don't know? Okay. I don't know when to buy them. I don't know the right time to buy them. I don't know if you're supposed to buy them when the stock is going up or when it's going down. Mm-mm. You know, because there's really no, like, you know what I mean? There's nothing out, like, you could find it on YouTube if you're searching for it. It's like, yeah. I don't know how to do this. So I okay. just, I just well, I would, like, the first good. three things I saw, I was like, oh, I like this. Oh, I know it's French. I know it. <laughs> Piff, you already know. You already know. Tell you how you already know. If you was, if you was investing into an artist, do you want to invest into them when they're hot or when they're nobody? When they hot. Right? 
So now you know when they hot, how much money is it going to cost you to get Drake? Versus if it's, you know, which one's going to get you a better return investment? Maybe a Drake or maybe the new kid in Queens that becomes Drake. Mm. Ah. So the thing is, this is a line from Warren Buffett. Be fearful when others are greedy, but be greedy when others are fearful. So when COVID-19 hit and everybody got scared, everybody took off running for something, nobody wanted to be around it, that's when you seek opportunities. So me, I only buy stocks if the stock market has to be down more than five to 600 points. So when, the, when it's a bad day on the market, everything down, everything falling, that's when I look. But, Dre, you already know in the military, they don't teach us to react. They teach us to yep. be proactive. Proactive, yep. We, they teach you to be proactive. So right now you're making your list. You make a wish list. Right now you need a wish list. Okay, if I had all the money in the world, which companies would I like to own and why? So you make a wish list. So when the market reacts, when everybody gets scared for whatever reason, Trump win another term, Joe Biden, whatever it is, that's when you start to execute your hit list. Just like in the military. They don't teach you how to shoot when it's a war. They teach you how to shoot in a peacetime. Yeah. So when the war comes, you know how to you locked in order with your M16, you ready to go. So right now you need to build your watch list. You can build one right there on cash uh, on the cash app. Like you know what? What's the companies what I like? What I like Apple? What I like Amazon? What I like Google? What about an airline? Like I wouldn't go buy Southwest, Delta, and Spirit because they, they're all in the same sector. I pick one, right? So which companies would I like? You know which company. Make a hit list built around which would I if I had all the money in the world right now, which would I buy? And then when that money does come, you ain't got to worry. You, you can pull out your hit list. Like, oh yeah, I know what I said I get. Let me go ahead and get this, this, this. Right. Then when COVID nineteen happened, you're not running around wondering, man, what should I buy? You already have a hit list. Now you just sniping them off. So now what I do is in a downtime like this, I'm finding, I'm reading through financial reports. I'm seeing. Who would I like to buy? Who would I like to buy? Would it be Disney? Would it be Amazon? Would it be, you know, whatever the case may be? I pick out all the companies. Would it be Tesla or whatever? So now I'm reading like, okay, well, hmm, man, I got to pick one. Which company would I like? I would like these particular companies. And then when the time comes, that's when I execute. When the opportunity comes. And the opportunities to me is when massive fear hits the market. When everybody gets scared, when you hear Dow Jones drop 600 points a day and the worst drop we had in history, that's the day you go and start sniping. So when I wake up every day, I peek out of my right eye, the first app that's on my phone, it tells me exactly what the future is going to be, what we're looking at today. If it ain't a five, six, 700 point drop, I just forget about it. <laughs> then I have a watch list. Then I go over to my watch list. I see how my, how my watch list is doing. Oh, I see somebody. Oh, whoa. I see Uber went down 10% today. Why did it go down 10%? Oh, because they had a racial, here you go for prime example, I own McDonald's. Uh, McDonald's CEO got fired for sexual harassment. The stock dropped 6%. That was a clear sign to buy. I was like, that had nothing to do with the finances. I was like, you know, anybody could run McDonald's, <laughs> you know. So guess what? That was a buying opportunity for me, but I was only able to do that because I knew the company. And when I was broke, didn't have the money, I, I was doing the study. I already knew where to go. So when it's time to execute, you just hit it's second nature. You know, I already know what to buy. Yeah. Quick, 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 quick question. Speaking of your hit list and 
you know, judging by the, you know, what you just explained, how do you feel about inve investing in alternative energy? Okay, now I'm not going to sit here and lie. When it comes down to energy, I'm dumb on that. And mm. sometimes you got to be smart enough to know what you're dumb on, right? Sure. With the whole energy thing, uh, I like energy, but it got too much oil tied into it. The whole sure. energy sector, they put oil next to it, and everybody knows oil is controlled by the Middle East where there's never no peace. Somebody sure. can wake up one day and be like, oh, I'm mad at you, so I pumped this many barrels of oil. I sold this many barrels of oil. I ain't got time for all that. You know, I ain't that smart to figure out the Saudi prince, they're going to they're going to make this much oil because they control the oil prices with supply and demand over there. So sure. one day somebody can go over there and get mad and have a meeting and say, you know what, I'm going to go pump 100 barrels of oil. Now you done shot down my energy stock, you know, or whatever. So I, I'm like, you know what, I'm dumb on that. I'll let somebody else have that. Makes sense. Makes sense. And sometimes what you got to be good at. Sometimes, like in basketball, you know you can't shoot the ball, but you're a good defender. Defend. Defend. Don't try to go out there and be like, nah, let me show him I can shoot. Now you know, now you don't blew the game, right? And you know, if you're a big man, you can get rebounds and posts. Do what play to your just like if you are talking to girls. Girls, when you when guys talk to girls, they play to their strengths. If they got a lot of money, they play to their money. If they got a good body, they play to their body. If they got a lot of what you know, clout, they play to that. So play to your strength. What do you know right now? Piff has a competitive advantage over everybody in something. He knows something about entertainment, the music industry that none of us probably know, right? Like, think about it, Trey. Think about all those contractors that work for the government. Oh, Lockheed yeah. Martin. Look at this company like Lockheed Martin. Like, Daniel probably never heard of Doc Lockheed Martin. Pip probably never heard of Lockheed Martin, but you have. So you got to use what you know as a competitive advantage. Everybody got a competitive advantage. So start with what you know. Don't try to go out there and figure out What's the rubber, this brand new rubber uh, coming out in China that's underwater that's going to save energy? You're trying to learn about alternative energy, but you know everything about McDonald's. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you just got to keep it simple and say, well, you know what? I can learn about something new, but let me start and master what I know. Hmm. Exactly. Exactly, man. Wow. Yeah, I just got to put more time into it. Oh yeah, think about it. Start with you automatically got to start with what you know. You know the music industry, right? You got a history in the music industry. Look at in that music industry. You know who dominated in that industry. You know, like man, every every artist used this. Everybody got to get this. Everybody got this beat machine. Who makes Pro Tools, right? You know who makes these microphones? Who makes the studio equipment or whatever? And you can start with what you know and what you specialize in to start looking up different companies. So I always tell people start with what you know. If you know you go to McDonald's every day. Because yeah, my son kept asking for it all the time. So when it came for his birthday, man, I'm gonna get you some McDonald's. Man. I'm I refuse to keep buying you McDonald's and whatever the case may be, right? But I wish my dad had done it because you know I had a, I was lucky enough to have a great dad, but we had an Apple computer. We wore Nikes all the time. We went to McDonald's all the time. And I asked him every day, Daddy, why you just ain't buy us none of that? And he's like, son, I didn't know you could do that. But he was born in the 40s. Right, so he didn't can pick up a phone, but nowadays start with what you know. Hey, you know what today? You know what? What do I know that most people don't know? I'm in the military, and I know who Lockheed Martin is. I know who Space War is. I, I know who Boeing is. I'm in the music industry. Whatever. Start with what you know first, and master what you know. Absolutely. 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 Uh, like it's like a term that my coach used to say. Um, 
well, actually not my coach, but my coach's father, um, Jerry Tarkani, rest in peace, used to say, KYP, know your personnel, man. So definitely you can apply that to, you know, your finances too as well. <laughs> yeah, because you, you jump mistakes, like, you know, things I've done well is when I kept it simple and stuck to what I know. So many times I went out there and tried to do what somebody else was doing, right? You know, like I can't, I ain't six foot six and I can't dunk a basketball, right? But you got to got to use what you got to get somewhere else start with what you know but what do i know very well you know what i yeah. know about the restaurant industry i know about tech like you know i know uh mark was saying earlier hey i know real i know tech very well start with tech start with whatever okay write that down well who are the top players in tech in tech who are the big boys is it sony is it whatever the case may be then you start writing them down then you start to look at their finances and look for them to tell you a story and if that story starts to match boom there you go to be able to buy something Hmm. Is there is there an area or uh, an entity of the stock market you believe that minorities influence the most? Um, we influence everything. That's why Nike come to us. That's why the music industry come to us. That's why every tech look at Drake. You think you you think Beats would be Beats if it wasn't for Dre? You know, Not Beats would be Beats. Beats would be Bose, right? But it was because it was Dre. Let's be honest. It was Dre that pushed Beats. It was Jordan that made Nike, right? Who made McDonald's? Look at all the athletes that came through and made McDonald's. So we have that culture. And I would love for us, I tell us all the time, I mean, I'm, I'm going to keep it 110% honest, right? I'm going to keep it a hundred and keep it a buck, right? I know a lot yes, of athletes. I know a lot of athletes. I know a lot of celebrities that are black. And none of them got no black financial advisors. Mm. All the white athletes I know, none of them got black financial advisors either. Mm. So a lot of them mm. go out here talking about they missed to put their fist in the air. Well, how about when I look at your team, how many of them on your board? Mm. If we don't give mm. ourselves the opportunity, That's Tom Brady ain't going to hire Prince Dykes. That's mm. Speak on it. Why do you think that is? Why do I think that is? They don't trust Ooh. you. I got all the degrees. I can have all the certifications, know all the people in the industry, done everything or whatnot. I have to work 15 million times harder and still don't get that opportunity. And then yeah. I look stupid yeah. when I go to Tom Brady and then he say, well, why won't you go? Look, I don't even know Jameis Winston, but I would put a million dollars that it ain't a black guy that's controlling his funds. Think about it. I don't. I never oh. met Kobe a day in my life, but I guarantee you Kobe didn't have a black financial advisor. Hmm. I never met Paul Casala day in my life. I guarantee you he didn't have a black financial advisor. Talk it. Talk. That's the most pro black thing you could do. You're speaking up for the black financial advisor. They're not they're they gonna give you no opportunity. Wow, I never thought about that. <laughs> they, you know, Justin Bieber ain't finna call Prince Dykes. Right? Wow. You can change the narrative. You can change the narrative, Piff. Wow. <laughs> you can change That's the narrative today. I ain't, met Jay-Z. I ain't met Nas a day in my life, but I put a million dollars, they ain't got a Prince Dax on their board. Mm. That That's brings real power that brings so much importance to your children's books. I wanted to bring that up because getting younger with this information is the most important step that we can take. You got financial children's books? Oh, yeah. Yes. He's with it. I wrote, I wrote the world's first children's book on investing called Wesley Learns to Invest. Then I, that came out no in 2015. Way. And then I wrote Wesley Learns About Credit in 2015. And then I wrote, last year, I wrote the world's first children's book on insurance. In 2019, Wesley Learns About Insurance. 
star NFL <laughs> Hall of Famer Terrell Davis. Share with us where we can get that children's book at. Yeah, please. Yeah, the whole series, they're available audio. on They're on Audible, iTunes. They're on Amazon. They're e-book. They're hardcover. They're paperback. You know, I started making a little cartoon. I was a finalist for season seven of Shark Tank uh, with the Wesley Learn series. And my son's name is Wesley. But no, I'm speaking up, man, because I I think that um, I know that I'm way better than some of the people that I see. And I get around like, man, what the... You, and then they, the thing about it is a so lot of our, a lot of our people over there getting robbed and they fine with it. Mm-hmm. You yeah. let me take five dollars from a person, man. I'll be blast everywhere. How much money did they take from Kevin Garnett? Man. 77 million. Put it like this: everybody knows the dollar amount, but they don't talk about the person because he represents other NBA athletes. Absolutely. Let mm. me have take let me take five dollars from somebody. They can go rob Magic Johnson and then go represent Kobe. <laughs> what? Where they do that mm. at? Mm. You let me take a line leader from somebody. They ready to take my head off, and they're going to have me everywhere as being the biggest scam artist in the world. How does somebody get to take $77 million from Crazy. He probably took $177 million total. Is he not paying attention? Like, how does that happen? Like, is- Well... A lot of them, what I, what I learned, a lot of them, they give power attorney and they let the person pay their bills. They let the person, everything go through them. All the money come in and out with them or whatever the case may be. And then the person, yeah. they're supposed to get a percentage. But a lot of people that are in those positions, they don't even show up to their financial meeting. As long as their card is working, they don't care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as long as... The, you know, as long as as long as they can do what they want to do, as long as everything is going and they can get what they want to do. Broke. I care about my money. <laughs> my money going. <laughs> you know, they be like, hey, you got a financial meeting on Friday, man. Whatever, man. You know, they don't care about it until until they're no longer in the league, their knees hurt, and they got child support. Then they want to know where all the money at. That's the most powerful thing you can do in your own community, to where we got all these entertainers, and they always cry about getting ripped off. And when you look at them getting ripped off, it's very seldomly us. Mm-hmm. And the person that ripped them off is still in the industry. Kevin Garnett person probably representing somebody else in the industry probably got the number one draft pick. But this is the thing. When they're the number one draft pick, they never call us. Ever. Mm. Crazy, man. So, yeah, so Zion Williamson has a white financial advisor. Come on. But then again, I can't fault him because think about it, right? When you walk into the game, a lot of people are saying, well, you know what? Well, this guy, he he can't get me connected to Nike. He, he doesn't have the connections that Tom has. But the thing is, if you supported me like you did Tom, I would have those same connections. Who is the question? Who would uh, Rich Paul be if it wasn't for LeBron James? If you still sell those jerseys, he advocated that man. He made sure he would have never got that opportunity. The only reason why we know who Rich Paul is today is because of LeBron James. They all, you know, when when they get in position, they don't call us, but we always call them, right? And gotta think about it. If all of our, if all the people who amass um, largest amounts of money, if they only go, if they don't even come to you, then what's your opportunity? Mm. Now, if you got your opportunity, you went off in there and tried to steal and run off on the plug, all that dumb stuff, then you you need to be, you know, you need, you need to be pushed to the side. But I see a lot of people out here with brilliant minds got the same thing but don't even get the opportunity. 
Mm. You look extra dumb when you walk into the room and they got Tom sitting over there, right? <laughs> they got Tom sitting over there. And you got the same exact education. You can do the same thing. And you you know what? You may not be as powerful as Tom, but if you got the same energy, it was something I didn't understand when I was a kid. I used to go to a restaurant and I'd be like, man, this restaurant ain't as good as the other one, man. You know, they ain't got no napkins, they ain't got, you know, whatever. And I give y'all, I'll leave y'all with this story. It was a guy that told a story of, he said it was an ice company and it was a, a white ice company and the, the ice company would have automatic ice, right? You know, he had an auto, he had an ice machine, but he said the black company did not have an ice, uh, ice machine. The guy was picking it with his hand and nobody wanted to support him because they were like, man, his, when he pick his ice, man, it's all chunky or whatever the case may be. And the, the whole point of the story was if you if you do enough business with him, guess what? He's gonna better have an ice machine too. If you if you support the Daniel Test podcast long enough, he will have a studio just like Joe Rogan. Yeah, and I'm gonna be there. Don't stay with you long enough to give you enough opportunity to even build yourself. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt, man. No doubt. Can you tell us how do you go about just starting up buying land, like how do you you like just go on Google and say I want to buy land? But the thing about it, when you go to buy land, uh, you have companies out there that'll sell you land in the middle of Kansas that nobody wants, Arizona that nobody wants. You don't have to get Manhattan land. So what I do is I go online, I find a piece of land, and when I find a piece of land, I always buy land with a credit card. Meaning, because mm-hmm. I tell the person if I don't have that deed in my hand. Within 30 days, verified by the courthouse, I'm going to call my credit card company and reverse the payment. I never pay nobody cash, nothing like that, something that I can't reverse. So when you go on there, when you buy your little piece of land, you put your kid's name on it. Not all your kids, just one kid. If you put too many kids' name on it, they're going, they're going to end up fussing and farting and arguing when they get older. Somebody want to keep it. Somebody want to sell it. So one child gets one piece of land somewhere. You get that deed. When they get older, they can use it as collateral to start a business. They can use that to take loans out on. They can live on it. They can grow on it. They can do whatever the case may be. But at least I'm giving you an asset to be able to do something with it. So with the internet today, the most popular tool that's out there, you can buy land. And how do you know if somebody's a scam artist? If you ain't paying taxes on that land, you don't own it. Because the courthouse will come, they will call you looking for their money. If they ain't calling you, there's a problem. Hmm. Okay. No doubt. Thank you. All right, cool. Thank you. That's real. Cool. That's real, man. Hey, all right. Yeah. So let's get out of here now. I want to thank y'all for coming on to the show, man. For real, man. I really appreciate it. We uh definitely learned a lot today. Uh for Mark, for Prince, for Piff, for Dre, man. I'm Daniel Artes of the Daniel Artes Podcast, man. That can find me on Daniel Artes Pod, Instagram and Twitter, and on Facebook, Daniel Artes Podcast. That's the group. 2,700 members in there. I purposely left out the Prince Dykes, Warren Buffett story because I wanted to come back on the show again. And, um, you know, so, you know, hey, <laughs> I want to I wanna thank y'all for coming on to the show, man. With that being said, man, we are out of here. Y'all have a good, blessed day. Peace.